What is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And this week, we are back. So Morocco Rally just finishing up. A lot of fun there. Wish I could say I was there. That would have been awesome. Well, hey, there we go. Future goals. So we're already talking about it in the works for next year's calendar. Going to be doing some traveling and checking out some of the events coming up and uh, hopefully getting out there. Seeing you guys live and in person. But before we even get to that part of it, um, we got some really huge stuff that went down just a little over a month ago. Colorado, Utah area. Some of you guys already kind of know what I'm uh, talking about. Well, hell, if you read the title, you already know what's going on. And if you're subscribed, you got the alert letting you know there was a new episode up. So last time we were on, it was uh, just a little under a week ago. We were talking about the Morocco rally. Well, this time around, we're going to be talking about a different rally. Now, that is going to be the Kota rally. We're going to be talking to Mike Graves. Kind of doing a recap. A lot of great feedback after that event. It was really, really awesome. And I think a lot of people enjoyed it. Uh, I got to say, I'm absolutely uh, jealous. I didn't get a chance to make it out to that. Uh, looked like a really, really awesome event. It looks like the the views and everything that Dave Black, Couch to Dakar shared uh, were really awesome. The stories and the stuff that I've already heard and talked to uh, with some of the guys like Jared uh, is absolutely amazing. So looks like it was a great event. But what better than to be able to talk to the man behind the rally and created the whole thing? That is what we're going to be doing today. So, in tradition, let's get that link over to Mike. Let's see here. we got to do that, and we've got to do this. So, where's everybody been riding this week? Everybody ready for Dakar? I know the big guys are getting ready. What do we think about the new Husky uh, 450 and KTM 450 rally bikes? Getting, around, getting away from that ladder frame design. I think that's a pretty cool uh, pretty cool deal. So let's uh, mute that here for just a second. Yeah. So I'm absolutely looking forward to this. Um, there's some big news I'm not going to steal thunder yet, but I've already seen it posted on a forum uh, on Adventure Rider. I'm gonna ask Mike because I know they've got a new excuse me. I know they got a new thread going on on Adventure Rider to talk about the new rally and or the next year's event and what, what's gonna be happening there. So looking forward to talking a little bit about that. This is gonna be awesome. Excited to get some riding in. I think that's probably gonna happen sometime late November and December. Let's do this. Get this link over to him. There we go. We'll do that. That one. Paste that. It has been sent. All right. So, we've got a lot going on. I know the Baja 1000 is coming up. I know the deadline for the registration on the ProMoto Rally um, new class at SCORE is coming up and coming in hot. So I am thinking that uh, 
this could be a new thing. There was a lot. It's a. It's been an interesting. Uh, it's been an interesting topic. I have to say because uh, I have talked to a couple people about it, and you know the the, the safety thing keeps becoming a. Um, it's at the forefront, right? A lot of people are talking about, you know, being hunted down by trophy trucks and stuff like that. And, and you know what? It is a dangerous sport and it doesn't matter but because I've seen plenty of uh, accidents and things like that happen between cars. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different with a motorcycle. Nobody's saying that it's not. Um, but, you know, there there's a certain level of, you know, understanding. Hey, there's an inherent risk to racing. But there are things that can be done to mitigate it. And so a lot of people, that's kind of been the thing is, you know. Uh, is, is the safety side of it. So, but enough rambling about that. Mike, are you there? I'm here, Victor. <laughs> hey, welcome, sir. Happy Sunday. Thanks, man. I hope you're uh, enjoying your weekend too. Yeah, it's not bad. The, they finally turned the heater down here in San Diego. So, <laughs> <laughs> feels kind of nice. You know, the, the, the sunshine tax, I think finally the check went through. Oh, that's nice. I just, uh, Got a new snowboarding outfit for this year. I've been wearing the same one for over 10 years. It's a little sun faded, so. <laughs> nice. Nice. So did you guys get when's uh, when's for snow? Yep. You there? Uh, I, think, I think it dropped off. Mike, you hear me? Oh, it says connected. Oh, let's give him a second here. Let's see here. It shows it's live. Maybe we'll catch him here in a second, or maybe it muted or something like that. But uh, looks like the audio dropped. Anyway, while we are experiencing technical difficulties, as I was getting to, so um, we were talking about just a minute ago about the. Um, Promoto rally class coming up and and some of the people that I talked to and about the safety thing. And so the question that I proposed is what's more important to these guys that are racing? Uh, let me see. It disconnected. Okay. Let me get this back. So my, my whole thing was, is like, what is more, um, what is more important to the guys that race? Oops. What was more important to the guys that race? You know, is it actually, uh, the overall, you know, I want to be the fastest down the peninsula and I want to beat the four wheel vehicles or is it more, um, actually beating, uh, beating the other guys, you know, and, and being competitive within the class. Um, the difference and the main difference being, uh, is the fact that if you're going to compete for the overall, it's very simple. It's got to be mile for mile, foot for foot, inch per inch. It's got to be the same course. You know, or you could get fancy and start calculating, you know, average moving time and all of this stuff. Or is it more about just winning the Baja 1000? And then at that point, it's just, you know, hey, we're going to include these shortcuts and uh, be able to get people around them fast. But uh, so anyway, uh, Mike, you back? So I remember. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we were just talking. I, I was just kind of talking briefly about the uh, the Baja 1000. They got that Pro Moto Rally class coming up. Yes. And it's been uh, it, I've had a few conversations and there's a lot of stuff and concern around safety. And, you know, it, it's been developing for a while, but I think it's kind of finally come to a head where everybody's kind of like, you know what? I'm just kind of done and over over it. So. 
Uh, what do you what do you think about that pro moto rally class? That announcement. I think that anything, me personally, anything that benefits rally is a good thing. Um, me, I just look at from my perspective of how I do things. It's uh, um, how we had to do it for here in the U.S. Um, for um, the things that we wanted to do. But I think it's kind of cool um, because if this rally sport is to grow, we got to get more people into it. That's the baseline. It can't be a small following of people um, because it, it is a small following. And it's a, sort of like a religion, I would say, because once you get into it, it's hard to get rid of it. <laughs> so, Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to stick with religion and not cult. <laughs> for tax purposes <laughs> oh, that is good that is so good <laughs> but i mean you're right i mean and and so uh this year um and it well there's two things but i want to talk about that one thing that one three-letter body that's now uh, realized <laughs> that there was a missing classification yes uh, <laughs> but yeah. uh your family grew uh, just just a few weeks ago. Yes, it did, and uh, I really appreciate the guys taking a chance on us coming out and doing our rally. I know there was a lot of people standing in the wings wondering if this was going to be like a Starbucks ride, a little recreational <laughs> ride, and we never planned it that way. Um, we planned it so that it would actually be a competitive event, but there was no classification for a rally with the um, – uh, uh, AMA at that time because we're AMA, you know, we're an AMA organizer uh, for recreational events, and that's how they classified us. And in 2018, when I started reaching out to them, finding out what we would have to do if this is even possible, and we started going down this road with them, there was nothing at that time, and there was still nothing up to that time until uh, that phone call, or, excuse me, a phone call and a e couple emails um, with some people. Uh, literally last week. Um, so I think the benefit of that was there's two board members that sit um, on the AMA board that have done the Baja rally and they, they're, they know about rally. Um, the AMA really did not have anybody I could talk to at that time because they had no classification for our kind of event. And per their classification, if it's a competitive event, it has to be close course, period. Mm -hmm. Not you know, I'm kind of like scratching my head. Well, how's that possible? And um, we had a small issue with um, finding out they misclassified us as a um, dual sport rally where we were supposed to give seminars and um, show products and stuff like that. And I went, um, that is the furthest thing from what we are. So they really didn't. When I was dealing with the recreational coordinator, um, they didn't know anything about, you know, like the Saris rally or anything. I keep bringing that up because that was our, that dream that we saw, that was our dream was that, you know, why can't we do that over here? And, um, we don't, and with us being in the Rocky mountain region, we were like, that would be like the perfect thing. And I spoke to you about that. So we had to kind of like change everybody's viewpoint because they're like, well, you can't go fast. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And uh, as one of the guys in the family spoke on Adventure Rider, he's like, um, isn't that rally where you have all these limitations on speed controls and this and that um, just because we're not, um, you know, pegging the throttle 
cooking through the desert. He goes, this is not rally. And, and the response is yes, to me, it is rally. Mm-hmm. Rally is, um, like I've had to tell people, like I posted, I said, um, when we started this program, we had to look at rider safety, public safety. We had to look at train features. We had to look at, um, how do we make it so it makes her, you know, gets them driven every morning to get up and makes their blood boil to go compete. Um, how to get that adrenaline going when they're in the start box, when the countdown starts, we had to look at all of that. And we found out that from us just riding in Colorado and Utah and other places that we ride, I wasn't even competing, dude. I'm just out riding in the back country with my best friend. And I'm like, dude, this would be so wonderful. You know, to actually have like a rally through something like this where we can get the guys from point A to point B, C, D, E, F, G. And that's how it all started. So when the guys came and rode our rally, I was pretty, I was, you know, you're like a new parent, you're chewing your fingernails, but you know, after almost three years of planning, it was like, is this kid due yet? Because after COVID, it's like, we had to cancel everything. And uh, so, but no, it uh, worked out really good. I was, if the guys had seen some of the things that go on behind the scenes, as you and I've spoke before, they were like, really, this doesn't, they would have like, that really happened where we, you know, I'm not going to go into details. I spoke to you about it. Like, cause everything for us has, is a reason for us. Mm-hmm. Everything that we request the riders to have is for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guys that showed up, the 10 riders that showed up when they found out that everything that's required that goes in that uh, tote for their, uh, or their, uh, Molly moto box, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. They said, there's a reason behind all this stuff. So for anybody who's going to come do this rally, I tell them, reach out to the senior guys on adventure rider. You know, they started at participants page, um, on adventure rider and start on a thread, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause I told the senior guys, I said, people are now going to be reaching out to you, asking you questions. And now you can give them your answer, you know, your real answer. And, um, for me, I know we had done a really good job is that every night the guys would come in and they would be dragging. They'd literally be dragging. But the funny part was, was watching them laughing and giggling about, you know, the different types of terrain. And then you'd see them grimace because they'd grimace if they got a speeding penalty. You know, they'd be like, Ding. and they look at the other guy that's beating them and go, how did you get that? He goes, I just knew. I saw it and I was like, mm, they, I just knew. And I, I didn't... Uh, uh, go over the speed limit. You know, I followed the road book. Um, but I think for us, um, we're already planning for next year. Like I said, I just want to make this a good event. You know, I don't know if I'll do it twice a year when I talk to the guys like Jim and um, Mike when they were out here. And those guys were wonderful, man. I can't, those two guys are wonderful. They know, so they knocked they knocked off the rough edges on us. And I think that's what made it go a little bit easier. But as my friends and my family say, they go, you've been playing, working on this thing for three years. You know, it's like practice, practice, practice. So, but the, the bottom line came down to it, you know, the start phase, you know, we never used a route the rally cop device before. Mm-hmm. And Jim was a phenomenal teacher. And so wasn't Mike, but Jim sat with the staff and because we had a staff meeting on, um, one of the days before the rally mm-hmm. at the fairgrounds and then uh, Jim, you know, instructed everybody. And uh, then we had writer's brief and even during uh, tech inspection, you know, Jim was there 
assisting the riders, helping them install it. I mean, it was wonderful. And the guys, the guys caught on to the rally cop really fast. No ifs, no buts, no nothing. And, uh, I tell everybody, you know, my, even with, uh, one of our, one of our participants getting a broken leg and I still scratch my head about that, but you know, we ride a motorcycle <laughs> You strap yeah. it on, it's like an aircraft. You strap it on, you wear it. We all know, you know, if you race motocross, you ride rodeo, you do anything that's an extreme sport, you know, you know you're going to have to get some alleys. That's just part of the game. Mm-hmm. But um, our our federal our federal handlers, they were just like, we did what we were supposed to do. We stuck to our emergency procedures mm-hmm. um, we, for getting a ride around the back country. Um, we know, did our notifications. And we asked them if there was anything else they wanted. And our federal handlers were like, nope, worked exactly the way it was supposed to. Um, what do you think you could do better? And so we're always going down that, you know, that rabbit hole of what can we do better? You know, because when EMS and the law enforcement showed up, they were like, wow, you guys have sat phones? And we're like, I was like standing there. I'm like, yeah, every rider's got a sat phone. Every rider's got a PLB. Every rider's got a search and rescue card. And they just looked at us, and I said, you should thank your sheriffs about this and the EMS people that were part of the stakeholders for this. And um, they said, well, usually we get in the back country, they call it in, and we have to kind of like hunt around a general area until we find them. We don't get an actual location. Mm-hmm. So um, there's been a lot of things that we've done different. You know, one of the things that um, – I think if Mike hadn't told us, he goes, dude, he goes, you got to, you go, Mike, he goes, you've got a really r- good rally. He goes, um, you know, straight up. He's like, first day really didn't impress me. Second day really didn't impress me. He goes, but third day, three and four, he's like, this is phenomenal. When he came out to, with Jim to do the scout, to make sure we didn't have any monster errors for using the rally comp because I'd never used it before. Mm-hmm. And there was errors and they straightened me out. But, um, I told him, he goes, you have an actual rally. I said, no, Mike, we don't have an actual rally. We can't. We try to walk the line of trying to be like the film guidelines. And I said, I've read the film. I said, but none of this stuff's going to work here. I said, we're too over-regulated. We're too over this. And he goes, no. He goes, they work off the principle of each country's laws and policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. He goes, you just can't be making up stuff as you go. And I said, really? <laughs> and that's, after that, I reached out. and I, The guys were coming in to uh, Montrose County Fairgrounds. And I looked them all at the eye at Rider Brief, and I said, everything's changed. And they go, what? I said, everything's changed. We're going to start going down this route of trying to be um, some of the film guidelines. Everything's changed. And he just looked at me, and they were stunned. I pointed at the uh, sound meter. I said, that sound meter that's on the tripod? They went, yeah. I said, the film only has two types of sound meters that you can use for film events. That's one of them right there yeah. and they all looked at it like it was the sign of death i said <laughs> <"We're good." laughs> so but no it went i couldn't have think of anything better it went so smoothly yeah. victor it was it was wonderful i think that uh next year i think we're going to get swapped um the blm was automatically making plans next year for 100 participants so i had to talk to the blm and say Guys, I understand it. I appreciate it. Yes, you were right. This is going to be a big sport for the United States. This will be a big sport. I said, but we have to get around this ball of thinking that we have to be a speed event to be a rally event. Because if we're going to do that, we have to be close course. 
And some of the guys, and I, some of the guys who actually um, who've got have held government jobs or whatever, we sat and talked. That came out and rode with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, "Mike, how are you working on this?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "We're working on some sections, possibly get some speed in there." But I said, "You need to understand one thing." I said, "All of our risk assessment that we do." We look at injuries and how we're going to deal with those injuries. And I said, one of the things that gets anybody kind of quivery is when you say we're going to increase speed or whatever. I said, but we're going to look at it. We're going to look at the type of terrain. We're not going to say no, but we're going to look at it. I said, but we have to look at if we do it on federal lands, we got to look at getting them to it, getting them out of it. And I said, the feds have to close the area down. They want you to close it down to the general public. So I said, right now, the way that we're operating, I said, it wears you guys out. It gets your adrenaline going. I said, because when you guys are in that start box, all the games stop. I said, I had three riders out of 10, Victor. Mm -hmm. Every morning, they had their tote packed, and it was at the foot of the toy hauler ramp at 730. They were ready to hit the start line. There was no playing around. There was no joking. There was no nothing. And... um, when it was all said and done, uh, we, I went and talked to some of the riders. I talked to one of our riders. He does uh, Best in the Desert. He's a, a Ironman rider. Um, he actually won it one year. And uh, he was one of the guys that originally didn't want to get into rally until he went to uh, one of Scott Bright's schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had watched me for years work on this. And I call him my psychologist because I go over to his house, complain, and he'd look at me and shake his head because <laughs> I'm taking time out of his day working on suspensions. And he goes, well, just keep going or do this, do that. So I'd get back into it. But I spoke to him after the rally, and he's like, don't you dare change a thing. And he goes, don't you make it easier. Don't you?" He goes, don't worry about the um, uh, hotel rooms, the motel rooms. He goes, this is a great event the way that it is. Um, because we've had him ask us, you know, can we um, – bring a support crew can we uh, have hotels and we have to think about that so my best friend scott is looking at the hotel thing or whatever so that we can get so there's guys who don't want to do the molly moto thing mm-hmm. but one of the things that we learn really fast the guys who do do the molly moto thing the camaraderie is phenomenal yeah. i mean right out of the shoot it's phenomenal you know they're when they're the day before the rally before check-in they're helping each other out, working on their bikes or maintenance they didn't get done at home. And they've got their um, canopies up and they're getting their bikes prepped. Um, the next day for tech when they're, you know, working on um, installing the rally comp or whatever or something that didn't pass tech, they're getting it straightened out right away. Um, I mean, they literally, they helped each other even when one of our riders, he, had a, he went off, he went, he, he went off track. And he hit a rock, and it was in like a three-foot-tall grass. And we tell everybody, and this was right at the brief, because I've got, you know how pilots are, right? They always do that, put your seatbelt on, here's the escape hatch, all this. So I kind of like did the same thing on index cards so that nobody can say I missed anything. So I had made up these index cards, and I read them verbatim. And one of the things that I told them was that we are a line of sight rally. It's not like the Dakar or something like that. Whereas once you clear a speed zone and there is no uh, triple cautions in front of you, you can 
peg the throttle and keep going, I said, and not really have to worry about anything until you see the uh, next note that says there's a caution coming up. I said, we are not that way. I said, so we put in most of the, the uh, triple cautions, double cautions, stuff that we think that's going to get you hurt. I said, but you need to understand that Mother Nature changes everything so fast. So we're telling you, look downrange, mm-hmm. make a decision on how you're going to attack it. And is your skill set going to be what it is at a certain pace to get through that section or not? And uh, one of the guys went off route. He was at Nick to Nick Heat with another one of the guys. They were going through water bars, which is like unnatural whoops, which are a hoot to go through. And the other rider said, uh, I think I'm going to back off. And he dropped behind the other rider. Another rider went off track and he hit a rock. And uh, it it TKO'd his bike, and he's lucky he walked away because it hit it right on the skid plate that had the um, emergency water in it mm-hmm. for his um, uh, bike, and it crushed it. So it destroyed the subframe on the, on his 501, and it uh, bent the frame pretty good. Mm-hmm. But he walked away. And on another note, that same rider, he finished the rally on that bike. He didn't take first <laughs> place. But here's the funny part. I pulled up next. I talked to him, and I said, hey, dude, because – my best friend Scott was the operations uh, officer, safety officer. So he's in there on the computer. He's watching the tracking system. And he says, you know what? Such and such is fast, man. That man is fast. But he's like the he's like uh, 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 a ricocheted ball in a pinball machine. He goes, bing, bing, <laughs> bing, bing, bing. bing. And, I, and I told yeah. I got I caught up to him and I said, dude. You need to, I said, you're fast, but slow it down. Um, he actually missed three notes. He popped out in a section of the road that just gave me the heebie jeebies when he did. I said, How did you do that? I was freaking out like my road book was wrong. <laughs> it was just that he just got so intense because yeah. we are a different kind of a rally. You know, I was like, I keep telling you, I said, I liked what the guys did over in Greece. Mm-hmm. And I said, Let's make it, let's do that here, but let's make it to where. These guys are going to go. The train was phenomenal because the funny part was, Victor, is like they come out of the backcountry, then they get on like a nice road or something like that. And they call it a drone section where they'd be doing like 15 miles an hour or whatever or 25 kph. And they'd be like, dude, you're trying not to get a speeding penalty, right? So that to us, we were trying to tell them that's your break. You're getting a little bit of a break mm-hmm. or you get back into the back country again mm-hmm. um the off piss day stuff that stuff worked awesome yeah. uh the guys they the one waypoint they couldn't find um it's kind of funny because it was the same waypoint that mike and jim were looking for and they uh, both found it but like mike and jim mike goes that was the hardest waypoint i've ever had to find and since i've been doing this but um, um a lot of the guys learned about rally how it's a big chess game about do I stay 40 minutes to 60 minutes behind everybody else while I'm trying to look for a waypoint instead of just pushing the button and to unmask it and taking a 10 minute penalty? You know what I mean? And yep. then when that happened, the the game really started livening up. And one of the things that was really funny was that we would start guys out three minute start intervals. And so on the first day, um, first start, it went by your uh, your number was issued for the date and time stamp on your registration when you um, sent me your registration. Mm-hmm. That's how the numbers were issued, and that's how the start was done on the first day. Gotcha. 
Second day, we stayed that way. The third and fourth day, that's when the days started getting longer for uh, in the back country. And we looked around and we said, okay, we're going to do a reverse start order. And it was really funny because after a while, you could start seeing me. Scott would call me and he'd say, hey, dude, they're all clumped up together because they're doing that NAV thing together, right? It's better safety to stay together to see if we can stay find the proper route to stay on the proper route instead of just passing each other. Um, we had uh, two riders that were looking for the uh, uh, that one uh, masked waypoint that was really hard to find, and they sat next to each other, and they came up with a deal. Now, we're going to push the button at the same time, right? Both take the same 10-minute penalty, and they wanted to be sure that one of them didn't take it, and then the other guy followed him out of the desert So to that, <laughs> that waypoint. So it was, it was crazy. I mean, um, I, as I tell everybody, I said, just think a little bit differently. We had to do this a little bit differently, but when we, when it's all said and done, it was just really nice. I mean, it was, I ended up, um, uh, I bought, uh, drinks and dinner at the last day after the award ceremony. And, uh, one of our riders, his sponsor paid half the tab, which he didn't have to do. And another one of the riders left a $100 tip, which he didn't have to do, but it was really, it was weird watching the guys when they'd make a mistake, they'd be angry with themselves. You know, um, we had one course error. I know you're not supposed to do this where you think you make a course error when you're doing your design. One of the guys missed a turn. We were in the ops in the headquarters watching it. I was like, Oh, that's that one that I changed. So we're jumping around looking for the road book and a topo and everything. And we're like, Phew, it's right. He just didn't pay attention. And that's exactly what happened. Cause uh, three of the riders made the same mistake he did. A total of three riders made the same mistake he did, whereas the other four didn't. And then the one guy who took first place between um, this one guy who never written, both of them had never ridden rally before, neither one. Mm -hmm. But one was a GP racer he'd ridden in, uh, you know, Europe and other places. And they both could ride. They could ride really good. But as I tell people, they go, well, what classes do you have? I go, we have no class. They're like, what? I said, we have no class. I said, the reason we have no class is a fast rider can be a terrible navigator and an intermediate rider can be an awesome navigator. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The fast rider has to keep coming back to his last note because he's lost and he's losing time. And he's within the same uh, time spread as an intermediate rider. I said, it's the most funniest thing ever. Mm -hmm. So when these two guys were, they would be like off three minutes to six minutes a piece. And it always come down to, time penalties, time penalties, or they would slow down to make sure that they didn't miss the waypoint or that for the directions in that note. And the last day was phenomenal because the guy who won it, who's the um, Ironman uh, competitor for the best in the desert, he broke the plane of the tulip to make a turn and he stopped, right? As soon as he broke the plane, right where the little tick mark was, for the cap heading on the tulip. He broke the plane, he stopped, whereas the lead rider kept going. He kept going, kept going, kept going. So the second place rider who'd broken the plane stopped, looked, looked around, and when I got to talk to him after he won, he goes, it was crazy, Mike. He goes, we're up there on the side, of the, in the woods, up on the mountain. And he goes, and the tr you could see the trail. And the only thing we could figure out is everybody was following tracks or something. And he goes, where you needed to turn there was a bunch of leaves on the track, like no one had ever been there. And he goes like, uh, 
that's definitely not that way. I got to trust the roadbook and I got to go that way. And he went the right way and he ended up winning the rally. So, like I said, I think next year we've got to get through this thing with um, the AMA. They're going to allow us to become a competitive charter organization. They started a classification for rally. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at how we did it. Um, they, you know, one of the things they, I talked about when I talked to, um, Eric Kudla about was that, you know, he says, well, you got to have an ambulance there per AMA guidelines for this. And I got to talk about this. I said, well, we have our EMS procedures locked down. They have been approved by all these different agencies and stuff. And I go, so unless we've got an off-road, uh, jacked up ambulance, that's going to follow these guys over 600 miles. Um, we better come up with something better than that. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, but it was really interesting talking to him um, and um, him telling me about how he had wished he had known me when we started this process in 2018. He says he never saw our draft document that went to the AMA. Um, I, you know, you know, he goes, how did it not come to me? I said, I don't know. He goes, well, it wouldn't have mattered anyways because we didn't have a class for you guys, which was true. So I think so right now they're going to look at writing the policies and procedures and the rules for us for next year. Mm -hmm. Um, I told them to call us at any time that they need some assistance um, on how to do that um, because they're really, really excited about this. You know, like he said, uh, the speed part is not everything about rally. He goes, because the speed part can be plain scary sometimes, right? So if you're not used to hauling uh, through the desert and it's your first time and you haven't trained enough, it's not like being in a supercross race or anything like that. So um, we'll see where it goes. Like I said, I'm just really excited for next year. Um, I'm actually leaving uh, Wednesday of next week um, to be in the back country for six days um, before the snow hits to start plotting our um, changes for next year because the guys are in for a um, big surprise. They asked <laughs> order to give. <laughs> nice. So. Well, and and I think you know, it, yeah. It, one obviously, it's a testament to the to the work that you did, you know, before and and leading up to the you know the couple years before it to have the event go off, you know, smoothly. And then uh, kind of like I mentioned in the intro, everybody was absolutely stoked. And and I saw the pictures, you know, Dave Black actually did a really good job uh, uh, from Couch to Dakar on, on his coverage uh, while he was riding. So that was really awesome uh, to see yeah. the, the areas and stuff where, where you, where you sent these guys. So that's what, you know, I, I, you know, I can understand the, you know, you, we want to have a place where you could let these guys, you know, let the dogs eat basically and, and let the bike, you know, go and, and test the rider ability. Um, but you mentioned it. And like you said, Eric mentioned it. It's not all about that because the hare and the hound, you know, or what is it? The, the tortoise and the yes. hare yeah. is an absolute route. It's, it's the best reference to, uh, to rally. You know, it's not going to be the fastest guy always. Correct. Yeah. And that was the thing that Eric talked to me about. He's like, yeah, he goes, he's the only other person I've heard say this. I know I hear very people say this. He goes, rally is the best chess game you can ever play. Mm-hmm. You make the wrong call, you make the wrong decision and it has bad ramifications mm-hmm. and it has good ramifications for the guy who's breathing down your neck, you know, on the time. So, um, I thought that was the greatest, um, 
thing he could have stated. But like I said, I just Dave almost made me cry. I read his I read his thing on Adventure Rider, and I read um, Jared Wombaugh's uh-huh. um, post also, and uh, Gavin Ferguson. Um, a bunch of the guys posted on there, and uh, it was is amazing. You know, like I said, those guys will always have a. As I said, they're only going to pay the the entry fee they paid for uh, this rally or inaugural rally. They'll never. Our prices, of course, we have more people. They got to go up because we've got more fuel, more support, and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. those ten guys, no, they'll yeah. pay the nine hundred dollars they paid for September twenty twenty one. They took a chance. They will never pay another cent higher than that. Never. And if I have my way, it depends on how the regulations shake out because they're the senior riders. Mm-hmm. They'll be the first ones off the start line, the first 10 guys. I don't care. You know, so they, they did something that, um, you know, they, like they said, they spent a lot of money to get here. You know, and it's like I told um, uh, one of the guys, I told Billy, I said, you know, I said, we, you guys, I said, I always try to give out hints on uh, our website and stuff or our IG page. I said, I know you guys have got the Baja, you know, rally kits and stuff. I said, but if you looked at actually like like the guys are running over in Greece and stuff, they're running rally light kits. And I said, mm-hmm. now you understand why I run a rally light kit. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, because the train that we're going through and everything. And I said, yeah, there's nice to have the stuff when they're going through the desert, just like you do in Baja and stuff. Yeah. I said, but I just had to look at it differently. And I said, every rider is on his own for his nav tower setup and um he understood and um you know some of the guys were like dude he goes if we could do this on a 350 i said right now i said we opened it up from a 250 to a 540 four stroke class i said in case somebody had a thumper kit Mm -hmm. i said and plus there's women that are getting into the sport also and i said if you look at, you know, you put a big tank on a bike and you uh, knock the weight up on it and you go through some of the stuff that we're on, I said, it's going to beat you up really fast. It's like I told Mike, you know, when he told me, you know, day one and day two aren't really that impressive. I said, Mike, I said, we can flat scare people. I said, day one and day two. And that wasn't our pretense was to bring people out here, make it extremely hard on them. Mm-hmm. And then they quit. We did not want that. Yeah. We had, uh, we, I said, we got to ease people into it. They want to figure out who this guy is who's drafting the road books because I'm the author of the road book. Um, is he telling us a story that we can follow or is there issues with it, right? So um, I told him, you know, we could make it to where it's scary, but we didn't want to do that. We did have two riders that uh, uh, DNF'd um, after uh, Mike got hurt when he broke his leg. Mm-hmm. But that one of the riders was like, he uh, was like, my business has taken everything out of me. I usually race with uh, um, my friend Warren. He goes, I've just, I haven't had time to train. And he had not reached the halfway mark on day one. And he's like, I'm beat. And I looked at him, I said, uh, safety over everything, dude. If you got to pull over, take a break, go for it. You're not on any limitations to say you can't take a break. Mm-hmm. And we had another rider who said he's used to work riding BDR. It was his first rally. And he said, um, this is not my forte, but I think after um, he came with um, another guy, so he had to wait around in Montrose, and he worked on his business while he was in Montrose until his buddy showed up um, so they could drive back together. 
but he came into the um, operations center where we were watching the guys on the monitor on, on the tracking system. And it was like a Super Bowl game, you know, when um, uh, Billy, excuse me, not Billy, but um, when Warren and Gavin were going Nick and Nick and they were off and we we're like, Gavin's got this thing beat and Gavin made him um, navigational error. And Warren ended up taking first place. It was like the Super Bowl. We were jumping around inside the trailer and stuff, and it's rocking and everything. And, yeah. and this guy's looking at us like, man, maybe I shouldn't have dropped out of this thing. <laughs> so it, um, um, but like I said, there's a couple things that I'll always remember. I'll remember uh, Cal. Cal Saunders is uh, some of the guys like Mike does the Desert 100. He's the organizer for that. And then Cal does a, um, He's a, or, as an organization that does enduros out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I will always remember us being at um, um, stage three, the start of stage three, and the guys are in the staging area, and uh, they got their time cards, and they're waiting, and they're waiting. And Cal goes over to um, one of the support guys, one of the recovery guys. He's, he goes, you got a cigarette I can borrow? And he's standing there at his motorcycle and his gear, smoking a cigarette before it's time to start. I think I will always remember that. That was pretty hilarious to me. So it's always the little, the little things, the little happenings and things like that. And then, yes, yeah. it is. And I mean, it's just, and then, you know, some of the pictures that were taken just generated the um, drive of these guys to finish this rally, to stay in this rally. Like that one picture, I believe I took it shows, I think Jarrett up at, um, Oh, dark 30, the, the, the sun's not even coming up and he's got the light on in his dome tent. And yeah. you see this orange ball in the middle of nowhere. And uh, then it shows him um, cooking his meal, his breakfast in the morning. And he's got a headlamp on. And I mean, it gets no better than that. I mean, I really, you know, I understand the um, uh, hotels and stuff like that. Guys want to take a shower and stuff. But one of the things that even we got to the uh, bivouac three on stage three at the eve in that evening, mm-hmm. you know, I told the guys to go to town. You know, you go get dinner. Um, you can't drink alcohol in the bivouac, but you can go to town and drink beer. Or the store at the campground has alcohol. You can go drink beer out by the pool or whatever. You just can't bring it into the bivouac area because I've got everybody on our insurance for that. And nobody can be under the influence of alcohol in the bivouac. Um, only a couple guys did that. And the guys who went to town to get something to eat, they were trying to decide, work on my bike, prep my bike for tomorrow. If I go to town to eat, I'm on somebody else's schedule for bringing me my food. Um, what time am I going to get my food? I need to get back to the bivouac. Rider brief is at 8 o'clock. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because... We we kind of like we kind of was kind of funny. Kind of drove Jim a little nuts because we kind of like bent the rules just a little bit because we had to because we're learning, right? We everybody's learning, everybody's learning. It's something new, so we had to be open minded. We had to listen to what the guys had to say, and if anything came up, we actually took it very seriously. We looked at it. If it was a modification of time or anything, we did it. We'd look at it. We'd see how many other riders got the same thing. And if it was like almost 90% of them, you know how it is. If everybody makes the same mistake, you're not going to change the time, period, Mm because it's not going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. But if it shows that it's pretty much almost everybody and like two guys, well, then there's an issue and you need to 
rectify that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, when Mike got hurt, um, uh, Tim stayed on scene because we mandated, like all the other rallies, you will stop, you will render aid, period. Um, we will give you your time back, even if it's somebody that's not attached to the rally, because as we call them, there's a lot of pilgrims on the route that we take. They get in the back country, they get hurt, mm-hmm. and there's nobody there to assist them. They don't have the proper equipment. They don't have anything. I said, we will give you your time back. And we didn't quibble about that whatsoever. Zero, zero, So um, we had even one rider that followed uh, Billy out after he uh, uh, destroyed his bike, even though he finished it. We, we gave him his time back because he didn't have to do that. We said, dude, we're a small group. I will give you your time back. There's only 10 of you. I'll give you your time back. But he ended up dropping out anyways because he was a BDR rider and says, this is not my forte. Yeah. So, um, but next year, I think it's going to be a little, it's going to be totally different because mm-hmm. now that we've got our feet wet and it'll always be a learning curve, which is fine because if we close our minds, we're in trouble. We got to always keep an open mind about this. So, it's going to be a totally um, different deal. Um, we're making it so that if you have any complaint, you're going to have one hour. You cross the finish line. You've got one hour to give it to us in writing, telling us what the issue is. Okay. Yeah. After that hour, sorry, can't help you. No. Um, we are um, mandating all riders have a Red Cross CPR and AED training. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do it online. It only costs $35. We believe that that is the best thing ever for what we're doing because as uh, one of the guys said on telling the story on Adventure Rider, you are in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. period. So um, we decided that, you know, we're going to make sure all the riders, you want to ride in our rally, you will have a first aid card, a Red Cross first aid card for CPR and for AED. Um, we are mandating um, every rider uh, have a Garmin um, many in reach. There won't be any spot trackers. We're, yeah. you know, I started out on spot tracker when it first came out. It was a great platform, and then over the years, we started having issues with it. And I've never had an issue with a Garmin product. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yes, we are redundant, but there's a rede- reason for our redundancies. As those ten senior riders found out, yeah, there is a reason, and you will have all this gear if you're going to come out and do the Kota Rally in 2022. It's mm-hmm. so like you and I said. Why would you want to put your PLB on your motorcycle? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I laugh. I still laugh at that, that, you know, we used to get that and, and I guess it should, but we would have bikes come into the, when I worked at the BMW shop with the same thing, they had the fancy Ram mount for the spot tracker on the bike. And, and I remember we were, we were talking and I, I'm like, why would you do that? And then, you know, then I, Working at Baja Rally, it was the same thing. You know, I would have guys that, yeah, they had a spot tracker on them. Where's the spot tracker? Oh, it's inside a Ziploc bag inside the big, you know, the, yeah. the it's inside the middle pocket of the, I'm going, well, there's six pockets on this. So I don't know which one of these you want to call the middle. But, yeah, I'd love to see you get to that with a broken arm where you yeah. can't move yeah. or, you know, or clavicle yeah, well, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that was the worst part. So one of the things yeah, that I mean, we really we really really liked though is we liked it because we we reached out to Garmin a while back and we discussed their product with it because we use their product. It's how our families connect with us in the backcountry. Yeah. So it uh, for us it's part if every one of our um, uh, staff had a sat phone and they had a Garmin Mini inReach 
and they had a cell phone on them. We had three pieces of communication gear on us at all times so that there would never be an issue for the communication chain breaking down. And so when Scott gave his brief, so everybody would give a brief to the riders. I started out first, and then Scott was next telling the riders what to do. And then we would hand out the sat phones because all the guys ordered their sat phones through the vendor mm-hmm. that I was able to establish. And they sent a bulk order of sat phones to Montrose and we handed them out to the guys after they passed um, tech inspection mm-hmm. at Rider Brief. Yes. And then Scott would have every rider give them their sat Infor- I mean, their PLB information mm-hmm. so that he would have it. And the easiest one to work off of, of course, was the Garmin. So for next year, we're going to make mandated that everybody have a Garmin inReach Mini. And the Giant Loop platform, the Packer Tracker, that is going to be paramount also because it's going to give you two choices. You either wear the Garmin Mini inReach on your arm, on your bicep, or it goes on the strap to your camel back or your day pack, whatever you have on your back. But it's going to be mandated. It's on your person at all times while you're riding. So, and they're they're small enough. It's not like you know we're not. It's not like you're asking them to wear you know a sat like a, a full size sat phone, you know on their on their shoulder or on their correct. strap. No, these things are tiny. Correct. So the sat phone is basically for, um, they wear it, they carry the sat phone with them while they're riding the event, but that's for other things, not just for emergency things. It's mm-hmm. just, it's also for, um, if we got like the guys are like, well, why did you want a GPS? I said, what happens if we have a fire in the back country and command center from the sheriff's department, who's getting feeds from the forest service tells us we have to evacuate our event. I got to get you from point A to point B, right? Mm-hmm. So these are some of the items that you have to, and we start explaining stuff to the people about that. Then they start understanding that we're not just out in the desert. We're up in the mountains. We're doing all kinds of stuff. So, and even when I was giving them the brief about for an LZ for a helicopter, and the, I mean, Mike, Mike Clough, I can tell he's done this a lot because when he registered for the event, he actually had bought the insurance for flight for life coverage for EMS. Mm-hmm. So, which anybody can do. It's not, doesn't cost that much. And, it, and it's a good idea. So I was, you know, I was given the brief about helicopters. You know, if we got to call out a helicopter, um, one of the riders, one of the participants may have to go up down the trail or whatever, look for an LZ and we're looking for an area about this big. It was one of the things that we came to an agreement with uh, our EMS provider. So, the game changed. Everything changed, and the guys understood that. When they, like I said, we, nobody wants to be baptized under fire. No. But when Mike got hurt, that kind of like did that for us because it showed that we did what we were supposed to do, and the rider's care was paramount when he got hurt. So, um, we, like I said, we're just going to look at a few other things. One of the things we will look at, we will look at support crews. But one of the things that I've told um, Mike and Jim is that every time that you add something to a program that's permitted through the federal government, it's another layer of red tape. Mm-hmm. It's another. So if I add more people, I've got this many riders, and then I want to have the support crew bivouacked with us too, and I've got this many vehicles. It's 
another thing. But as they said, you know, you could go to private property. I said, that's true, but private property also has its issues. Nobody wants to go have an event booked, and then all of a sudden, the person you booked it through goes, oh, we have a problem. We can't host you over this time. And then you're like scrambling, trying to um, find some place for the guys to bivouac at. So we're kind of like slowly walking down this road where we're not just kicking the tires. We're testing the whole vehicle to make sure that it's working. It's going to work for us because that's what the federal land managers expect from us. Um, Mm -hmm. They were um, the forest service when we started having issues with COVID and everything. And then we didn't know if we could end up getting a tracking system. They were like, you know, you wrote this program. It's a beautiful program. And, you can't do this unless you stick to your guns. And I said, we're going to stick to our guns at all costs. We're not cutting corners. We're not going to do anything. And we didn't do that. Mm. And, um, you know, the guys were surprised that we had a refueling station at, um, uh, uh, the bivouac on uh, day three, they were surprised about that. And as we told them, we're not, we're not giving up the ghost sand. Yeah, there'll be a refueling stop at this point. No, we want that completely out of the realm of where they're going, how far they're going. It's just going to be a surprise. And it was that day I told everybody after the rider's brief, I said, you guys need to get your bikes or cooled down. We've got a refueling station set up, pull the bike up onto the refueling mat. Um, we are going to refuel on the mat, make sure there's no spillage of any gasoline or anything. And I, everybody will get a full tank. I said basically two and a half gallons of fuel for the large tanks. If you got a smaller tank, you're still going to get filled up. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really funny because Dave goes, oh, Mike, we're fine. He's telling Matt, one of the guys on uh, recovery who was doing the refueling, I said, I'm fine. I've got enough fuel. I said, Dave, everybody to the top of the gas tank gets refueled. Well, next morning, uh, Dave had a, had a mechanical, had a electronics issue, and sat antenna, went down his rally cop, which was no problem. We got it changed out and everything. Uh-huh. And uh, then he took off, but he was he got shook. You know, small things can drive somebody out of their groove for a competitive event, right? If yeah. something happens to some people, uh-huh. it got him out of his groove, and he got lost. Uh-huh. And he got lost a couple times that day. And I bet when I saw him at the bivouac that night at the rider brief. And I was joking that, yeah, somebody's just had to say they didn't want to put any fuel on. And I look at Dave, <laughs> and, he's, and, he's like, and everybody kind of like laughing. And, uh, but it's, like I said, I think that um, it's just huge. I just, I don't know what to say. I just say thank you to the people that spent the time to talk to me. I mean, they, they, did, they didn't, you know, write stuff down and all this. They just talked to me. I mean, they took time out of their day. They either met me physically or they talked to me on the phone or they talked to me via email. I mean, I appreciate those people for what they've done. They didn't have to do that. You know, I'm nobody. I'm a new guy. I've never ridden a rally a day in my life. I just liked the sport. And if I'd had the time and the career that I had, I would have done it. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's like uh, Jared. He's like, I'm going to do this rally. Every time you have it, I'll come out and do it. He goes, it's my once in a year thing for me. And um, it's just, like I said, I don't think we could have, we had to modify a lot to please a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we had to design it for not another country. We had to design it for the United States so we can make it. It's not a bootleg. It's not an outlaw rally. It's a rally you can go post up pictures, posters, anywhere you want and go, 
we're going to be at the, this is the entry fee. This, these are the dates. This is the requirements. This is legit. And um, I think that we'll see where it goes. Like I said, I'm just, I'm ready for this next step. You know, my best friend says, well, are we going to have two rallies in 2022? I said, brother, we're talking about, we're going to make this a competitive event. They're writing the rules for it. They're going to start writing the rules and stuff for it. Let's just stick with what we're going to do. We'll accept 40 riders. Um, I said, the 10 guys who registered, they, they will, they'll have their spots for them because they're the senior guys. I said, they'll leave 30 new positions. I said, but let's work on the new step, which is the competitive part. Let's work through that. And then we can look at what we're going to do if we're going to do two rallies a year. Um, Our problem is, is that we have two reporting points that we have to do with the, with our federal handlers for any modifications Mm -hmm. and two dates that we have to give them stuff. So what we're doing is like, like I told you, I'm leaving next Wednesday so I can get up in the mountains. I can get the uh, changes to our route done before the snow flies, because when the, once the snow flies, the snow gets up to six feet deep up there. So then we have to wait for spring runoff and sometimes spring runoff isn't finished until the end of June. Well, that's taking time July, August, because we're going to have a rally in September. Things get really going really fast for us to complete stuff. So that's why we have to start now um, mm-hmm. doing what we're doing. Yeah. The desert portions, we don't worry too much about that because we can do those all through the winter months. Mm-hmm. But once the mountain starts getting slammed with snow, everything comes to a stop. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to at least get that all that route, that stuff finalized and, and mapped out and, and then tested, too. I mean, the, the preference, I think, would be tested. Um, you know, now that now that you're running the rally comp thing, I'm sure you know Mike showed you know, verifying the routes and making sure yes. all the waypoints got picked yes. up and all that. Yeah, yes, um, yeah, and that's it, huge. It is. Dave, Dave Peckham, like I said, he allowed us to come in and be uh, on part of the beta test team for Rally Navigator. Mm-hmm. And like I told you, I love the product. I just, yeah. I just when I sit down and I start throwing out. Uh, 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 stops or speed zones or uh, a, a safety, I can look to see how much uh, radius, are those two radiuses covering? Is there going to be a, conf- a conflict of information in the software mm-hmm. program? I mean, it's, uh, it's for me, it made things easier once I learned it. it um, and I'm always still learning it. I'm, yeah. But it's to me, it's a great piece of uh, software because um, for the guy who's the organizer, I can just start put match it up with Mike's software for his rally comp. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that, that's the cat's meow right there. Yeah. That part is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I spent five years using it uh, at Baja rally. That's where I met Mike and, and yeah, and it, every year it was just better and better and better. And then, and not only that, but you know, it's like, he's, he's always open and looking for feedback and, you know, he's, he's constantly got something in the in the wind to make it better, and which is you know, which is awesome. I mean, the the even if he stopped right now, and just we just continued and and worked with the product that he has right now, uh, it is enough to do the rally stuff, and and then the safety side of it. You know, when he introduced the tracking, uh, and then being able to message competitors, that was I mean, that was huge. You know, it, it took pressure off of the organization, and and now it added. Like you were talking about earlier, it's like now you have another point of communication. You know, I remember I could send riders like, hey, that's it. You're done for the day. Go to the road. 
um, you know, and, and and go through that kind of stuff or or tell people, you know, uh, just skip to this waypoint, move out, you know, and then wait there or, you know, the things that that you may not have noticed or if I would have sent a message on a in reach, um, you know, when are you going to get it? Nobody stops. Yes. <laughs> nobody, nobody stops to check their texts. Stops, <laughs> nope. And that, that's the best part because my friend Scott, he he's in fact, he loves it. He, yeah. he just loves it. He, like I said, he loves it. I, we, when Mike and Jim came out and I actually physically got to look at it, see what it could do. Mm-hmm. I looked at Mike. I said, you know, I said, I wrote the whole program. This whole program started around your device, me watching it, your video on YouTube of your first, um, uh, 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 device that you put together. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're in your vehicle and you're showing everybody how it worked. And I said, that's what I want. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. And we, we, when I talk to Eric, he goes, most people want to come up with their organization, how their program is going to be run. And then they go to the people who are providing the software and go, hey, we want you to write your software or your device for our program. And I said, no, we didn't do that. Yeah. When Mike started developing this thing, I looked back from the pilot perspective and I said, that's what I want. You know, as I tell people, I go, they got tracking units in squad cars. They got tracking units in ambulances. They got tracking units in fire trucks. You know, this stuff is all—it's commonplace now. Mm-hmm. So for us, for using Mike's unit, which we love to death, like I said, I just I can't I can't give him enough kudos for the daggone thing. Yeah. You know, because it what it does, and I had to beat this on the feds was first and foremost. It has safety in mind. You have the public safety and you have the rider safety. I said it has extreme oversight. That oversight is what keeps people out of trouble. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, if I have a rider who's not, when they register for an event, they are acknowledging the rules and the regulations for it right there where there's no bones, there's no, there's no nothing. It's the truth. If we have a rider who's not following anything, that he agreed to that's we go you know you're done man we're, we're sorry you're 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 out mm-hmm. you know you will meet you at the bivouac we're gonna pull the rally cop off your bike you know you are an extreme risk to everybody else as i tell people but one of that one i guess it's for me being in the military one individual's um actions can affect a lot of people So we don't want that. And that's one of the best things I liked about the 10 guys I had for our rally. They were the people that interacted with them Mm -hmm. were very impressed about how professional they were. The people from Montrose County were so impressed. They were, they were like, we're giving you this large area behind the grandstands for next year's. This will be all of yours. They want us to come back. Mm -hmm. There was no, there was nobody ripping around the fairgrounds on their um, motorcycle. Um, none of that. Everybody was very, very professional. They would test ride their bikes in a controlled manner. Everybody had a helmet on. You know, you're going to ride on the fairgrounds. You know, you're on our insurance. The fairgrounds is on our insurance. You got to wear a helmet. Just the small safety things. And the guys did it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Mike's device, once that's put on a motorcycle, when Mike got hurt, you know, you push the button for the SOS rider down. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, he crawled out from underneath his motorcycle, pulled his sat phone out, and he called. And then it triggered a whole mess of events immediately because Scott got the SOS. 
He got the phone call. Everything went. And then Tim was up. Tim backed up. Mike's call, the call to make sure that Mike didn't miss anything on location and all that stuff. And it worked the way it was supposed to. And the only thing that stunned us this year, Victor, was after all this planning, all these years, we seriously thought that our federal handlers were going to show up at the fairgrounds at the operations trailer to watch how this whole thing worked out. Then not one showed up. They said they'd be there next year. One of them was in Lake Tahoe fighting the fire. She'd been uh, transferred up there. And then the other uh, guy from the BLM, he was off doing something else. And they, you know, they all apologize. But like I said, they, if we, there's one thing we used to say in law enforcement, if you don't make problems for your supervisor, everybody's happy. So we didn't make problems for them <laughs> and their supervisor was happy with the outcome. Yeah. So well, yeah. it, was, it was that good. So like good. I said, we just want to hear, we've heard what the guys have said. We're going to ask them again here in a bit. Cause I know they're thinking about it all the time about next year, because a lot of the guys went out and, um, bought new motorcycles for this for next year nice. i'm not kidding i'm not kidding they went out and bought new motorcycles um my uh the guy my friend warren who does the best in the desert he uh actually went out and bought a honda enduro and when he rode his race bike he took his race bike and he made it all street legal and everything that he does like best in the desert stuff on mm-hmm. and he turned it into a street legal motorcycle and uh well, the first thing I saw when I saw him zipping past somewhere on this one uh, section, I go, hmm. I saw him at the finish line, and then we were talking. I said, did you do something to your suspension? He started laughing. He goes, I softened it up. He goes, I listened to you. He goes, I worked on your suspension. I know what you're doing. I just started laughing. <laughs> and then right after that, the guys were like, they started, they're going, well, what we want to do, we want to change our suspension to be more like your suspension. So he's actually been getting some business nice. from guys who are, you can't ride a motocross bike, a track bike on the stuff that we're doing. There's no, no there, there's no way. No, no, it's going to kill you. Yeah. If anybody and, and not, it's, um, for the, the people playing the home game, rally rate is about distance. Yes. So if your bike is set up, well, yeah, I'm just going to deal with it because I know that I could hit this whoop section, you know, pinned and the bike is going to re- work perfect. Well, great. You still got another 600 miles of not whoop section that you're going to have yes. to ride this thing and and it's going to have to work for you. And you're going to it's it, the rally bikes. I think to me, rally bikes have to be some of the most comfortable bikes um, in in the realm of racing. Right. You still. Yes. I mean, you look at the look at the Dakar bikes that these guys are running. They're making them lighter. They're making them more comfortable. But lighter is still heavier than an MX bike. And, yes. and you talk to the guys that ride these bikes and they go, you know, Ricky Brabeck, he's running his his rally bike or one of the generation of the rally bikes at at the best in the desert races. You know, he's he's done a couple of them on it. Um, you talk to Mason, you know, and he says, and the preference is the slightly heavier bike because it's not yes. as nervous. So yeah, setup is huge. It's absolutely it's, huge. It's, you know, it's very, you know, it's like Dave, Dave is trying to, uh, he's told us his dream is like, that's why he's got sponsors it, barring no injuries, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. He wants to do the Dakar in two years. Yeah. And He's what I he sees my comments on Instagram. I said, guys, we listen to you. You know, there will be no drone throttle for 2022. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I said, get your cardio on. He's like, 
what about my sexy man guy? <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's, he's funny, but you know, the whole thing is, is like, you know, he, his um, first exposure to baby head rocks was our rally. And when he ended up getting on the tails of, of Warren Healy and Gavin Ferguson mm-hmm. and some of the other guys, and they were like getting on it, going through the desert and up through rock sections. He's like, this is a totally different game for me. I've got to go through because he's been going to different schools to train, which is cool. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I got to step up my game. And I guess he went to his first hair scramble the other day so that he can learn to ride at a faster pace. Yeah. Um, but as I told him, I said, try to ride in environments. This is just me, you know, and I don't ride rally, but it's just my experience from what I do is ride in an environment that's not a controlled track because rally is not a controlled track. Correct. What's the matter? I have, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I'm trying to remember if in the episode we didn't talk about that, but I'm, I'm going to work on signing up for one of them, but it's uh, the Jimmy Lewis school. Yes. I, I don't know if he if he signed up or already did it or was going to do it, but I think that would probably be something. I think he's getting ready to go to it. I think okay. that's why he's packing up his rally kit. Doing he's he that's what I saw. stuff for a rally kit, yeah. which is good because yeah. I will say this for for Dave is that when he signed up, uh, we were some of us were a little worried because he seemed like he was uh, just new new just a new rider well he'd been riding an adventure bike for a while but he'd never been into dirt biking mm-hmm. and uh, so when he bought that husqvarna this was an all-new game for him yeah and i didn't have to worry about him at all you know there was one time that we pulled him aside me and jim pulled him aside and i said and jim explained to him the uh chess moves of rally because i told him i said Dave, I said, we're a little worried about you. You're like uh, like way behind the rest of the riders coming across the finish line. I said, tomorrow is an extremely long day. And I said, we can't have you coming out of the um, back country in the dark. It's extremely dangerous. And I said, then, which also makes it dangerous for the recovery crew because we got to find you. And if there's an emergency, we still have to locate you and everything else. I said, even though we know where you are, I said, just working in the dark makes things hard. Mm-hmm. and uh jim pulled him aside he goes here he goes here's the deal he goes you're going to take a 40 to 60 minute um time gain um or an increase looking for all the waypoints because that man is dedicated to finding waypoints and he does he just yeah. he doesn't care he just goes out there takes yeah. his time and he's look and he finds them mm-hmm. i will say that he finds them yeah. but he you know even if he gets lost he doesn't care he goes this is the rally game he goes back to where he got lost and nope he guaranteed he was at for that waypoint then he'll take off again but jim says you know why don't you just push the button unmask the waypoint and take the 10 minute penalty well the light went off and he's like really he's like yeah it's better than 60 minutes behind everybody else and then he got in the game but then the game got ex- stretched for him when he ended up riding with the faster guys trying to stay on their six mm-hmm. and that's what he says i gotta learn to ride a lot better and um you know people look at us and they go you know we talk about the suspensions, you know, I hit a rock garden. I don't slow down. I speed up because I know the inertia will get me through the rock garden or I'll try to hold a pace up the hill, you know, through a bunch of rocks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I, I got to keep it going on and I got to be in a certain position and let the bike move on its own without restricting the bike, the bike's got to do its thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're riding on a bike that's uh, wound too tight, well, guess what? It's going to be brutal for you and you're going to have a hard time getting up it. Yeah. But, um, I think he's going to do good. I think that with his sponsor and the way that his attitude is, mm-hmm. I think that 
when he does the Dakar, I think he's going to finish it. He's made not, he's, the Dakar is not about being first. The no. Dakar is about getting there, crossing the finish line on the last day, and you did the whole thing. You didn't get injured. You didn't tear your bike to part. I mean, you, you made it. You know, it's a, it's a human monumental effort. And uh, I think that's why just me, the Molly Moto part is just, to me, it's just like awesome. Yeah. The, the humanity of it is just awesome. You got to pull everything together. You got to do everything yourself. I mean, you got to be on a schedule. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, yeah. to me, that's just, it's just, I may be, I'm not prejudiced. It's just my view. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> and, and, and you're right. You know, the, the, the car game. So the, the rally game, there's way more people in rally that, that sign up and it's not the, I am going to this rally because I'm going to kill it. I'm, I'm literally here to win. You guys are all here to race for second place. There's only a handful of guys that actually go into a rally. I think thinking that the ma- the masses or the, the, the larger calling in the larger group. And especially at Dakar is this is the Dakar. This is literally the Dakar. It is one of the toughest or the toughest race in the world in length and days and however, however, you know, whichever spec of that event that you want to take and, and, and focus on. But the majority of the people are there to compete against themselves and that finish line. That's yes. it. That's all they're hunting for. Yeah. And so this is, this is a continuation, but it's on stateside now. Now it's, now it's not the million dollar budget, you know, or the, the multiple hundred thousand dollar budget, you know, or even a hundred thousand dollar, budget. even just say it's hundred, hundred grand. It's not, it's, this is something that's attainable, something you could do here. Then it's obviously in a, in a really amazing area, you know? And so, this is uh, I, I said it the first time we talked, and I think and it still rings true. What you're doing is is changing the game, has changed the game. It went off. You did it. <laughs> so now it's where does it go from here? I just got to see. You know, like I said, if we can get through this next hurdle with the competitive part, mm-hmm. that'll be a good thing. And then right then and there, the AMA has a blueprint for everybody else too. Yeah, and that will be the big part. I mean, that will literally be the big part. Mm-hmm. What we're, you know, the bottom line is, is like I said, it's like Mike asked me, he goes, are you making any money on this? I said, dude, I've been working on this for three years. Whenever I had time to make money on it. And he starts laughing because it wasn't about that because you have all the developmental costs. People look at me and they go, oh, I said, I said, the routes aren't made by themselves. I said, you can sit down at a computer, but the proper way to do it, I said, you got to be in the field. You have to verify everything. Your boots, I said, I said, all your boots got to be on the dirt. Your tires have to be on the dirt. Mm-hmm. And I said, and you have to, I said, there's a lot that you have to do. And I said, it doesn't seem like you're going to be spending money, but you spend a lot of money. But to me, it's cool because the new riders coming up are the ones that will benefit from it, right? They're going to have, like Mike and Jim told me, you're going to have guys that don't care about winning, Mike. They just want to show up for your rally. They want to help other guys. They want to see new scenery. They want to check out the terrain. They're not there to win. They're just here to get away, do whatever they want, and that's that. Yeah. I said, that's fine. But like I said, there's got to be, it's got to be a way to where um, – this sport grows bigger. It's like I told the KTM shop up the road from me. I said, it would be nice one day to walk into your shop 
and see a Husky or KTM with a full rally kit on it. Mm-hmm. That would be the bomb. And that would mean that, guess what? We've done something that it's actually starting to grow the sport in the U.S. Yeah. And 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 it's getting there. I mean, you got Chris over at Moto Minded. Oh, know, yeah. Doing, oh, they're yeah. selling kits, and I'm seeing them. I had uh, a buddy Travis building, building a bike. And it wasn't necessarily... Um, it's not that it's going directly to be in a rally raid, but now you're starting to see these rally light bikes. You know, they've got a, a, a minimal fairing type setup, something that's just basic that will carry a road book holder or it'll carry a GPS. But you're starting, you're starting to see that, and you're working on the most important part. And this has been feedback that I've gotten. It's like, yeah, hey, this whole rally thing is great, but where do I get a road book? What event? Yes. Do, what what event do I sign up for? You know, what what do we? <laughs> You know, I'm going to invest all this money in this equipment. What am I going to do with it? You yes. Know? And so. that, that was the thing, because when Aurora, because Warren got to me, sent me a text. He goes, hey, do you know anything about this company? And what it was is Aurora Rally had set up a shop in Aurora, Colorado, mm-hmm. which just kind of like stunned me. I said, well, that's we got uh, Moto Minded, which is Chris Vestel. Mm-hmm. Now we got Aurora Rally in Aurora, Colorado. So Chris is in Colorado Springs. Aurora Rally is now in Aurora, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then even when we were doing the rally, we were at one of the areas where one of the recovery crew was sitting. I caught up to them, and we were watching the uh, riders go by, and some other riders showed up that had uh, rally kits on their bike. And uh, we didn't know – the guys didn't know they were part of us. No, they don't have decals. They're not part of us. And they stopped and talked to us. Well, they were a rally out of Telluride or Uray or someplace, and they were – they, they call it a rally, but it's just a bunch of guys out riding around. And they were a little stunned when they saw us. Mm-hmm. And they were seeing the recovery crew, crew wearing their orange vest on the side of the road and the side of the vehicle say, Coton Rally on the side. Yeah. And so they got around to explaining it to them, and they're like – this is a legitimate, we went, yeah. And I said, the guys are actually competing. And they went, say what? <laughs> yeah. And um, it changed everything. I mean, everybody, it changed a lot for a lot of people on the route that are outside of the rally that had contact. I can remember, I think it was Billy said, he stopped by the Husqvarna dealership in Gunnison and the guys came out of the shop and they saw the bikes and they were stunned. They go, this is something from the Dakar. You don't see this here. You don't see this at all. And then Billy was like, well, we're having, there's a rally going on in Montrose. And the guy's like, what? So still a lot of work to do to, you know, get people, um, into it. Even the gas stations where we had permission for the guys to come in, take a mandatory, uh, uh, put on fuel and take a mandatory stop there. They were just, they were wonderful. I mean, they were like, they wanted to get attached themselves to our Instagram account so they could say, are you guys going to be on our route next year for putting on fuel for your rally? I mean, it's like, we haven't gotten a no or that you're a bad influence or anything like that. It's been very, very welcoming. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the, it's it it's a whole nother vibe like everything in rally is more about adventure um you know it's it's the adventure there is yes there is that the the competitive guys and and they you know they want to go fast but even then you know you'll you'll go sit down in in the uh in the mess hall or or you know at the at the food and you don't know one from the other everybody's just having a good time and so it, it is a very different crowd all around 
So yes. that's awesome. I mean, and, and, you know, and it's for some of these smaller towns, because we, we talked about it, right, that there was there's a few towns that you kind of weave through um, that are smaller and, you know, they maybe not necessarily the biggest tourist attraction yet, um, but you're bringing business to them and exposure and, you know, so. They, and they, like I said, we, um, they, like I said, they were, they were just really impressed, you know, like um, first thing that Montrose County did was, can we take pictures from your website or can you send us pictures that we can use? I'm like, if you guys want to go right ahead. I said, uh, you guys can use them for your tourism or whatever you would like to use them for. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole thing was, are you going to be back next year? And I said, we've worked too hard with you guys. I said, everybody's <laughs> had a finger in this thing. We're not going to leave you high and dry. And um, it's been, like I said, it's been a wonderful time. I just want to, I, like I said, I got to give thanks again. We have to give thanks. It's not just me, even though people talk to me, but there's a lot of other people behind the scenes. You know, there's Scott, my best friend. There's um, uh, his son-in-law. There's other people. There's my friends who are, um, they own their own businesses and stuff. You know, I guess me and Scott are lucky because we're retired, <laughs> but we're not retired really because we're doing this now. So, um, but we thank a lot of people for giving us insight. And um, we really appreciate the um, towns, the counties, municipalities, local government, state government, federal government, you know, listening to us and bringing what we had to the table. And I think the cool part is now is that we've had 10 riders. Anybody can reach out to those guys uh, anywhere on Adventure Rider or wherever and ask them questions, ask them the positive, ask them the negative, because that's how we learn. Do we change stuff? Do we not change anything? But we, this is where they can ask questions and they're not dealing directly with me as the organizer, you know, thinking I'm trying to fluff it up or something like that, because we never did that. We never did that from the beginning. We said, this is the way it is. Sorry, guys, you won't be doing 80 miles an hour through the desert or 90 miles. (laughs) Sorry, that ain't going to happen, but we're going to make sure that the adrenaline's going yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll guarantee you that. Nice. So it, um, like I said, it'll be nice to meet a lot of the people that I've talked to via, you know, um, email or via phone. I've never met them in person. There's a few I've met in person. I've met Scott Bright in person. I've met, uh, Chris Vestel in person. Um, so it, it'll be wonderful. We'll see what happens next year. Um, I know that somebody called and talked to Warren or asked Warren, well, what kind of riding or was it? Warren started giggling. I think he said something like a class or something like that. And they go, say what? Warren goes, oh man. He goes, you can ride this thing. You're going to ride this thing. (laughs) So it was, it was pretty good. So, but no, I just want to hear feedback from everybody. And the, the, the guys who rode the 10 guys who rode, they called me, went from sending emails because I kept telling them, call me, text me. You're not ruining my day. You know, you guys are spending a lot of money to come out here and do this. Please call me. I will try to answer your questions as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then when it came down to it, it was like, I didn't even drink the beer with these guys yet. And they knew they could call or text me at any time. And I'd answer their questions and they would start laughing or giggling or whatever going, dude, this is going to be so wonderful. And, um, I can remember Billy Trapp coming in on um, day two into the bivouac for for the bivouac three at the end of day two, and um, 
uh, he uh, said that was the best ride I've had for me. He goes, it's it was phenomenal. Then I looked at him and I said, so how did you miss three notes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Distracted by the scenery. <laughs> yeah, well, Victor, do you, what, yeah. what, I've been doing most of the talking, man. I'm sorry. That's no. my problem is I talk too much. We, I, I wanted to hear about the rally. I had already, you know, heard a lot about how, how it went off and a lot of feedback and all that stuff and always, you know, wanted want to get your side of it because I know it is a whole nother game for the, the organizers. And, um, and then more importantly, like, you know, like you already kind of talked about, you're already looking at stuff for next year's rally. You're already getting ready to get back out there and, and work on routes and stuff like that. And that, that's important. You know, I think that now that it's the first iteration of this has happened, um, now, now's the time. All right, cool. It, you know, the word is out. This is how the event was. And yeah, I hope it doubles. And I hope, I hope you end up with a waiting list. You know, the goal's 40. I hope there's a waiting list. So I think that, uh, that we're headed there. And then also, you know, thanks. I mean, it's, this is what you've done is, is laid out so much room or it's so like the groundwork. I mean, the AMA is already working on a class for it. The only thing that happens from there is more events. Yes. That's yeah. the only thing that happens. But even as, Eric stated, he goes, you know, I go to look at, cause he's in Ohio because he left California mm-hmm. with, got him with the AMA and, you know, like you said, he's done the Baja and other stuff and he was an organizer too. And he's like, the whole problem is he goes, you got, he goes, this is wonderful. He goes, but it's the same problem. You're going to go to different areas and you have to go by what they want for those areas. You know, what works for uh, Mike Isgar, Scott Isgar and stuff. And, uh, and my best friend, Jeff, however, he's been there with us may not work someplace else. And I keep telling everybody, you have to go to the table. You have to sit down. You have to make your case. You have to show what your areas of responsibility are going to be. I mean, it's like, I look at how long it took Victor to do this. Scott and I look at it and Scott goes, well, Mike, you're the one who mostly carried it because he had a, he had a family medical issue with his family. And so we had to step away from the table, which is um, proper. And I, because it got to the point, like I said, Victor, is like, I had to triage it. I was like, I do this, this, and this, because they were the most important. And I look at the website, it's all messed up because it's got different stuff on it. That makes me, I'm like, dude, that's going to have to wait. I can't work on the website and work on this field problem, work on this, work on that. And, but it all worked itself out. And I, and I tell everybody, I said, you're going to have to actually get in the trench and you got to do this. And yeah, you can look at it because the AMA is going to have our whole working document. And I guarantee you the AMA is going to go, do you have this? 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 Okay. Because if they're going to be working with us to bring us into a, the competitive status and they're looking at our our um, ops plan that we submitted mm-hmm. and how we run our rally, it's like I told you and, I, you, you and I were talking before we did this interview couple weeks ago and i said dude if they had known about how fedex had screwed up the phone shipment the phones were supposed sat phones were supposed to be there on thursday all these guys that drove from all over the united states for this rally they would be panicking right now because we were panicking <laughs> we were panicking big time yeah. because there's certain detachments to our operations plan that nobody can change we can't change it it was the agreed upon this item was agreed upon and sorry I'm, I'm sorry, you, you know, you got to have this equipment, you got to have this gear, because this is why I can't change it. 
you know. Yeah. So, um, but like I said, the ten guys who rode, I think they are gonna. I think they, uh, if it had been bad, they would have posted it been bad. Um, you know, yeah. Mike forgetting Mike for getting injured was like, dude, he, he was joking with me. He goes, it worked great. He goes, I can't believe it. He goes, the sad part was me being in the ambulance looking at the scenery go by. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, so, goals for next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's so true. But no, yeah. I appreciate, you know, I, like I said, I appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, doing that further contact with Mike for me. I mean, that was a great thing because, um, when they came out, I miss those two guys. You know, I told Mike the other day, I said, things seem so ho-hum since you and Jim aren't around. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it's always a great time, you know, hanging out with those guys in the bivouac for sure. So just being around them and, and riding and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I, uh, I agree. It, I, I'm looking forward to the next event. I'm, I'm working on the calendar for next year, uh, all this week. And so I want to start traveling and maybe doing some, some live stuff at the events and doing some coverage. So, uh, I'll make sure I got you on the calendar and, uh, and I'll get to see you out there. I appreciate it, Victor. I really do. Like I said to you, the doors open anytime you want to show up, um, just let us know. We, I hope we see you at, you know, check in or out in the field at one of the bivouacs in 2022. And, uh, just, uh, it's like I said, it was just marvelous. I just wish the weather had been a little bit cooler for the guys because it was strange. Usually it's supposed to be really cool, but we'd wake up in the mornings. It's like 80 degrees in Montrose and it's supposed to be 60. And we're like, uh, but that's that desert stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's you never right. know. That's why you got to be ready. Yep. <laughs> nice. All right, sir. Well, I'm going to let you get back to your Sunday. Getting, uh, getting bikes ready for your, for your next trip and, uh, go from there. Victor, thank you again. It was a pleasure as always. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Mike. And uh, we'll, we will most definitely be in touch. I'll be keeping up with you. Talk to you later. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. So that was Mike Graves from Kota Rally. I'm... Um, you know, we, we talked about this in the last episode that we were, uh, that we did, you know, right. We were talking about the event and everything that went into it. And, and then to go from that to running the event and going through it and basically everything working at plan. I mean, it, it's, um, yeah, there's the little snags and the things that you can't account for, but definitely was, um, if, if you get 90% of it, right, you know, that it was a great event, you know, that was a great execution. Uh, because there's just so many moving pieces and so many different things. So uh, hats off to what he did um, and then now gaining the recognition of the AMA and, and them working on that plan. Uh, this is going to be good. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this um, and, and seeing, you know, the only, like we said, is the only the only potential of this. The only outcome is, is that there's going to be the ability to start creating more events and local organizers picking this up, because I do think that there are a lot of people that are into rally and all that kind of stuff. But it's hard to get that following and, and figure out, you know, because you could be sitting at a restaurant and two tables down as a guy that's, you know, knows every uh, speck of the last 15 KTM bikes that raced the Dakar and would love the opportunity to get into roadbook uh, navigation and doing that kind of stuff. But, 
it's a smaller crowd, right? Anybody that I talk to, it's almost like, uh, well, what's rally raid? Okay, well, think of it as soccer. It's popular everywhere else except in the States. But in the States, even soccer is growing. So it just is a matter of events. And what do you do with this? You know, after you've created the equipment, you've got the equipment, you've got all this stuff. Okay, what's going to be the next step? Right. You don't want to put a bunch of money into this and then only to figure out, well, like, well, damn, well, I, you know, I got this fancy roadbook holder, but I don't have roadbooks that I can practice on. There's no events to go to and stuff like that. And so when I was with Baharelli, that was something that we talked about. We talked about the smaller events and doing that kind of stuff. And it's because right now, you know, I was I was talking to a friend about this Um Actually, I was talking to Gnarly Dave. I don't want to break the tradition of mentioning him in every episode, but him and I work, you know, met at Baja Rally and we've worked and we're always calling each other during the week and, you know, I'll get him on the show eventually. Um, I won't definitely want to do that. But in talking about it, it's like, hey, we want to, you know, it'd be awesome to go and do a rally. And then the first thing, at least I think of him, but you know what, though? I don't want it to be, uh, I don't want it to be a Sonora rally. I don't want it to be a Baja rally. And it's not because I have something against the organizations. It's just simply because I don't want to commit to a five-day rally right out of the gate. You know, I don't want to. I, I don't want to do that. I, I want a primer event, or I want, or I want some kind of training that's that that offers me the ability to go three days, four days, and it's ran like a rally event. You know, Lynn, Lyndon Poskett, who's somebody that I would love to have on the show. Um, or on the podcast, uh, does that. They have these different setups where you can you basically go and it's ran like a rally with tracking and all this. And Mike from Rally Compass uh, has his equipment out there on those bikes and they do the tracking and they do the waypoint management and they do that kind of stuff. And that is really cool because it's not an actual rally rate. It's just a ride and you're doing it and you're running it like if it was a rally. So Having that kind of stuff maybe here in the States for the beginner guys or 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 in Canada or in Baja, having something like that will allow and I think will help grow the sport because people will get an idea of like, OK, this is what it was like. This is the simulation. This is what we're doing. And some people are going to want to be competitive. And if there's going to be a side bet, there's going to be a side bet. That's great. But, you know, it, it, there's got to be something a little smaller, you know, a couple day event, you know, something where people will get, you know, warmed up to it. And then when they'll look at it, it's like the Baja 1000, right? The Baja 1000 Peninsula run, you're going to get guys that have maybe never tackled it that are feeling a little bit braver in doing that, but it's because it's a simpler concept. Here's a guided, here's the map, here's the GPS file, follow the GPS file, go for it. You know, get a bunch of money together, get a vehicle together, get a bike together, whatever it is, and just go. And it's simple, follow the line. Well, rally rate is a little bit different. You know, it, it does mentally involve a little bit more. You know, you can't just get a road book and then go jump on it because I promise you 15, 10 notes, three notes into it. You you look around and you're going, uh, this doesn't line up how I thought it was. And then what do you do? How do you find yourself? How do you uh, how do you open the waypoint? How do you do this? Like, you know, there's there's more to it. There's a little bit more challenge. And that's what makes it fun, though is it's not just like, okay, how fast can I go? I'm on the line. I'm going to see how fast I can go in this section. No, it's I'm going to play the chess game. And it is in every bit of a chess game. And if you don't believe me, all you got to do is go back and just check the check the results, right? We, we saw that happen earlier this week at the Morocco rally. You see everybody do their qualifying. The guy that's up on top on that prologue stage 
probably didn't really want to be there. He was just the guy that didn't sandbag the most. It was the guys behind them that kind of calculated it out. I personally believe, and I, you know, I don't know, but my personal belief, like look at the Honda riders, look where they were at. They were all, you know, towards the bottom, and it was all three of them, one on pretty much one on top of the other. I don't think that happened by mistake. There, there is some strategy that goes into that, and you don't want to be. I mean, and unless you're very confident in it, and some people like doing it, you really generally don't want to be the guy that leads out and opens the stage for everybody else. And then for that matter, you don't want to be number two, three, four, or five. You want to be in that six, seven spot, the bottom of the top ten, because that's going to be a stage that you're going to have the ability to make up a lot of time or lose a lot of time because at the same time you could have all of these tracks in front of you and you're not keeping up on your road book and you're just you know following along and you pick the wrong line once and now you're off track and now it's going to be interesting. So to some people that sounds really complicated and it sounds like it, but you know it, it's one of those things that you just kind of get used to it, you start reading it and it's just this whole other challenge. You know, don't believe me and have all this stuff not a problem. Jump on your search engine, check out Google, and I want you to find used rally equipment here in the U.S. So that means that everybody that's gotten into it, what you're going to find is that there's not that that majority for as much as it's going out, you know, into the wild, the the towers, the roadbook holders, the ICOs, the the RNS units, and all of that stuff. As much as that stuff is going out, not a lot of it is being sold used. And it go on eBay. Go try and find out eBay. Go search the world. Go try and find some of that stuff. You don't. And the thing, the only indicator to that to me that I kind of see that is going, yeah, people try it. They get bit by this bug. And next thing you know, they're into it. And it's not, you can be the competitive guy. You can be the guy in the gym hitting it. I mean, your 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 idols are are the Brabex, are the the Howes, um, you know, the, the Petter Hansels, the Rainier, whoever. You know, whoever your guy was, right, that kind of got you into rallying or like, I want to try this. You could either be like, I'm going to be bumping bars with those guys or I want to go to those events and I want to be able to complete that event. You know, you want to go to the Dakar and you want to finish all of the stages at the Dakar. You know, that's the goal, you know, and 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 I saw it at uh, I saw it at Baja Rally, you know, when I was at Baja Rally because I was, you know, that was my job. That was my part of this of that event was tracking and, and, and working with the racers directly because that's, I kept track of their times, their penalties and did all of that stuff and just talking to them and seeing them. And, and yeah. And yeah. Why were you so behind? Oh yeah, that's right. I did see you stop there for 15 minutes and then they get there and they're talking with their buddies and they're like, yeah, it's, we stopped, had a cigarette, took a bunch of pictures and you know, and they're just out having a ball and they finished the stages they rode the whole stage. It wasn't about what time they finished, you know, even though it was on me, it was like, okay, it's getting dark. These guys need to get back here. It was more for them was just that adventure. And so those people that are looking to get into this, um, I can tell you, you're not alone. There's a lot more people that are more into the adventure side of it than the competitive, you know, attack mode, every stage, you know, and, and running as like stage strategies and doing all of that stuff. If you want it, it's there. That's that's the bottom line. If you, if you want to be competitive, it's there and there's room for you. And guess what? You have a shot at the top spots because in Rally Raid, it's the great equalizer. Nobody knows where you're going and everybody's got the same roadbook they got to follow. So it's all about who navigates it better and who navigates it faster. Collect all the waypoints 
in the safest manner, safest manner possible in the least amount of time. That was what I would tell the guys at the Baja rally when we were doing the riders beating. That's if you want to win, that's how you do it. You know, you got to make sure you're, you're, you're physically able to collect the waypoints, which means you were safe. Um, you want to make sure you got all of them because then you're not taking on any penalties. And then there's probably a few guys that can do one and two pretty good. So then you got to be a little bit of number three. You got to be the quicker guy to navigate it. So that's, that's the competitive side of it. So anyway, that is today's episode. We will be publishing it on the same day that we are listening to it. So happy Sunday, everybody. Hope everyone is having a good week so far and, uh, or had a great week. And uh, we're going to talk to you guys uh, next week. Do keep an eye on the Chasing Waypoints website. We're going to be doing some changes uh, coming up soon. I want to make sure we get a calendar going uh, for some of these events and stuff like that that we want to travel to and, and hang out and talk to you guys. Um, and then, yeah, there's uh, I'm working. I still got a long list of guests to get through. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and talking to more people and get more people in on the show, uh, including some of the stuff from back east. Uh, and some of the rallies that happen out there and that are that are going on already. So with that being said, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. Yeah.